0: Money rules all, by order of the Peaky Blinders. Welcome into our spoiler-free podcast, breaking down every single episode of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and
1: BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy, and this is Season 5, Episode 4. And there's a lot going on here. We got some new characters, some new plots, and we got a very important gathering of people at a very important event. And something really crazy happens. This episode
0: is called The Loop. And I swear, it had my mind in a loop the entire time from the opening scene of Grace coming back as a ghost. And then obviously the, the finale of this episode, leading us, Josh, into the penultimate episode next week. And before we dive in, I want to remind you that you can go follow us on Facebook.com peaky podcast, on Twitter at by order of peaky. And as always, go ahead and subscribe. Click follow. Also, you guys could send us some feedback. And before we dive in, we do have some feedback on email. Richard emailed us at B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. And he said, hey, fellas, keep an eye out for Polly to suggest to Gina to drink stout when she next drinks alcohol, because that's a good indicator to think she is pregnant or not, which we didn't really get you know too much in on on episode three. We kind of gave our, our predictions there. So cheers from Richie in Dublin. Thanks so much there, Richie. And we didn't have much time, Josh, this episode to really dive into uh, to whether someone's pregnant. It, Michael was only in it for a little bit. Most of this episode revolved around Tommy and his A-plot with Oswald Mosley.
1: Tommy's got the wheels rolling, man. He's got them turning. He's always he's thinking on his feet in this episode a lot. Unfortunately, we might have had a little bit of uh, people talking in rooms like people didn't like it on the last episode. We saw on Reddit and all these uh, all these people really criticizing the fact that there was a lot of talking in the last episode, and there was a lot of talking in this episode, but very meaningful talking. And we'll see we'll see what Tommy has up his sleeve, baby.
0: That leads us right into our second little beat of feedback on you know Reddit. Someone commented on our post, and it was Ferg saying, "Great pod, guys. I'm really enjoying your instant takes." Daniel finally pronounced Abarama right, and I love Josh's accent impersonations. I'm with Josh, though, and I didn't like—I like I liked this episode, but not as much as Daniel did. For the first time this season, some scenes actually dragged a bit for me, and the violence was intense. I had to cover my screen for part of Arthur's beating of the Quaker and the tar pouring by gold. I also immediately thought of Viserys' death in Game of Thrones with the tar scene, so points there to Josh and our Peaky Thrones (laughs) production. Overall, overall, quote, quote, this is my least favorite episode of the season, but still top notch. I'm worried that grace flashes could get overused, but so far they haven't crossed the line just yet. I appreciate all the callbacks. Keep up the hard work, gentlemen. Well, I think I don't think we got too many of the Grace things, but I have to just so wholeheartedly disagree because if this is another episode that people are going to critique, oh my God, Josh, the entire time I had like the nervous tick from the first moment when we see that the Billy boys are meeting with Tommy and just like that from you want war, you'll have war. Boom, one minute later, we go into the next episode for those that might be binge watching and just go from three to four one minute later and the two of them are meeting to have a truce.
1: It was something that I definitely did not expect, the truce between the Billy Boys and uh, with, between Jimmy McCavern and Tommy Shelby, and it happened right away, and it's something that you kind of have to ponder whether or not it's for real or not, because we've seen truces in this show before between Tommy and Alfie, you know, Tommy and Billy Kimber were working together at one point, and, you know, there's there's a, a truce doesn't mean a lot, just like Inspector Campbell's word used to not mean a lot, so I don't know, I don't know. Okay, so it's going to be hard for us to kind of stay organized
0: here because so many things happen. But overall, Josh, from this episode, from start to finish, we'll talk about, you know, whatever Knicks we have to pick at the end. But with that finale, with the ballet and the music going and Arthur having to be woken up just to be almost shot by his wife, Linda, to find out that Polly is getting married and then Polly saves Arthur's life by shooting Linda. Oh my God, I thought it, what'd you think? It was crazy.
1: I wasn't expecting any of that. I wasn't expecting Linda to even be in the episode. Like when Paulie was telling Arthur basically to move on earlier in the episode, I was like, all right, maybe he'll move on. We won't even see Linda. And then Tommy gives that like head nod to Michael to let Arthur know. And we didn't know that Tommy was coordinating anything to have – like did he coordinate to have Linda come? I don't think so.
0: I think he saw the car coming and he said, Michael, we need our head of security awake and checking out that car.
1: I didn't know if it was like a like it was like a tip off or anything but now it definitely makes sense that he had no idea what was going on which made it even more crazy. She gets out of the car, she's she's looking pissed off and heated. She has her right hand kind of like hidden behind her like right thigh. And so you and so right away I thought there was a gun and you said that you thought there was a gun too. And Talks about this man that Arthur beats up. He doesn't have a face. He's ugly, just like the just like Arthur is on the ins. He's even more ugly on the outside than he is Arthur on the inside.
0: Boom! Points for Arthur though for not killing him because we're, as we're doing our rewatch of season two, Arthur's getting really good at not killing guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. with were right. guys.
1: You were right. Yeah, you were right. He. he- <laughs> he, he beat the living shit out of this man, and for sure he sh- should have died, but Arthur's doing a really good job since, uh, was it season two when he kills the boxer of not killing people? Yeah, just like, you know, Batman would be proud, because Batman never killed any of the bad guys, he just
0: hung them upside down like Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, Arthur's an honorable man. He's an honorable man. He just beats the shit out of them, but he doesn't kill
0: them. Okay, so Josh, where what what do you? I couldn't even. I don't even know where where do you want to start. I mean, we've got the new Chinese character who kidnapped Finn and is now having the Peaky Blinders hold a seven-ton amount of heroin opium. And there's that scene. There's the Billy Boys, you know, partnering up. And then obviously there's Oswald Mosley, who I mean, we could talk about his storyline for an hour and a half. I mean, he fucked Lizzie when she was a nightclub manager, thinking that that would have Tommy on edge. And Tommy just so coolly, calmly, and collectively fires back with, let's start there with the boxing match between Oswald and Tommy after we see Tommy at Parliament. Winston Churchill's there hearing him talk about socialism, and that was a cool little scene. And then Oswald comes strolling on in, and we are
1: ready for Pacquiao Mayweather Part 2. This is a the the most metaphorical boxing match you could ever imagine. Oswald Mosley thinks he has Tommy like, you know, shaking in his boots, dropping zingers, Tommy's dropping zingers back, and Oswald delivers the best quote, my favorite quote of the episode. Even though I cannot stand him, he's so damn annoying. He's he's really smart. Like he's a very, very, very diabolical and calculated man, and with his words especially. But he's no match for Tommy. You know, no one's too much for Tommy. Tommy's always ready. And that was a crazy scene. That was an important, important people talking in rooms, but it was intense.
0: So Oswald talks about Tommy having a birthday party for his wife. And Tommy already had invited Abraham Gold to this party, saying that if Gold doesn't kill Jimmy McCavern and puts a hold on that, then Tommy will have Gold. Mary Polly. So like Tommy's going around wheeling and dealing. You know, Aberama sets it up perfectly by saying, "You know, this is basically like the old times. Are you going to throw in a dowry for me as well?" So we hear about the party then, and then the
1: next. Yeah, he's he's like he's like a couple ponies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wants some ponies, but I mean, Aberama Gold, his weakness is obviously Polly. So it's a great way for Tommy to get through his skin and really hold off on this truce that he's got with the Billy Boys. And then we've got. Oswald Mosley, doing his research, we know he's got spies, more than spies, he has an impeccable memory. He hears that this woman was a whore one time in Birmingham, so he hints, he just hints, I write down, he hints at the fact that he might have fucked her, and then savagely goes in on saying, maybe I'll have her again if I spend the night. And then we learn later, when Lizzie sees him, and Polly says,
1: is it a yes?
0: And she goes, it's definitely a yes.
1: Polly's Polly was a savage this episode, and I mean, poor poor Lizzie just getting she's collateral damage in all of Tommy's affairs right now with, with even things that happened in her past being brought up, and she's really emphasized wanting her past to be brushed under the rug a little bit. But and then she 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 f's Oswald Mosley up herself later on in the episode when he tries to be witty and says. A, a, a bottle of champagne and a night well spent. And she says that he was asleep before they even could do the damn It was thing. an
0: evening wasted, according to Lizzie Shelby.
1: Right. It was, it was great. I mean, she's, she's always great. with. She's like Tommy in the sense that she, she, she's not going to take shit from anybody. So Oswald Mosley and Lizzie, that happened. That's crazy.
0: Oswald took some punches here, not just at the end from Lizzie, but in, in this scene with Tommy because Tommy returned him with a literal three-punch combo. Saying he's done some research of his own into Oswald's family, and I had no idea where Tommy was going with here. He says, I, I I read about your wife, I read about your wife's sister, and I read about your wife's stepmother, and then he drops the 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 boulder saying that you're sleeping with all of them all over the place in the country house, in the in the apartment, in the House of Commons, he is fucking his wife's sister and stepmother and his wife and Tommy threatens to get the church involved. I'm telling you this was an all-time Tommy Threaten episode because he also had that threat in the opening with the Billy Boy leader Jimmy by saying here's 500 pounds for your wife for her to have a a black dress with a black hat and oh, a black I love whatever that part. Oh, for yeah. her to
1: carry your dead body's carriage. Oh, two amazing threats from Tommy. And then he says, "Now go enjoy the city. It's my honor to present." And he just walks away and because we haven't seen Jimmy McCavern like be you know, taken aback like that. And what I thought that was so great after he dropped that line at Jimmy McAvern is Jimmy McAvern kind of stands there for like a good 20 seconds. Like, holy shit. He just, he just, he just told me off. God damn. And he sees Isaiah with the gun. Right. Right. And that was awesome. It was just a little minute thing that happened that was just great. But yeah, this Tommy, Tommy was, Tommy was spectacular in this episode. And I'm going to go out and say it before we get to it he's not allowed to be our winner because it was an obvious winner so that would be a cop out
0: okay i've got my loser in mind but i'm going to have to call some audibles throughout i didn't with this i mean guys guys at home this is right josh and i are so fresh after watching this episode we compiled our thoughts quickly my my right hand is shaking from that final scene let's i mean let's talk about that the
1: music the music sequence in that final scene before you get into the music and you just said right hand where the hell was red right hand Incredible. I mean, they played it in the
0: final credits, and that was it. I, I wrote in the beginning, "Money rules all" was was my over, you know, arching theme of this episode. There was also weaknesses being exploited, but a no red right hand episode. Insane. There's no way they're doing it on by accident. You know what I mean? Everything's
1: done on purpose yeah. in
0: this in this show.
1: I thought that we were gonna get like a different rendition of it, like in those final five minutes, once we once once things started heating up. But the music that was playing in that in those final five minutes. Leading up to what actually happened with Linda and Arthur, and and we're gonna go into 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 the theories and the and 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 the symbolism of what that those final five minutes meant. Honestly, probably the one is probably top five craziest end of end episodes so far of the show.
0: Hands down,
1: and and we we haven't even got to five and six yet. So
0: hands down, it has to be the wildest non-finale ending, right? Because, I mean, we've talked about it a couple episodes ago, and obviously that episode, what was it, episode two, that was just nuts all over. But yeah. the end of it wasn't crazy. It was just Aberama showing up with Johnny Dogs, and I remember saying that the whole episode was nuts except for the end. This episode, the whole thing was building, and it was building, and it was building, and it was building, and it was building. And then for a split second, I'll tell you, I really thought that Linda was going to take Lizzie's advice. I don't know if you did. But I thought Linda was going to take Lizzie's advice and join the dark side and admit that her brain has been turned. But instead, at the same moment that the white swan in the performance of the ballet is killed, our white swan, Linda, who is so pure of heart and supposed to cure Arthur's damned soul, is killed by Polly, which is the second murder that Polly has committed. So that's not going to be something that is easily going to be taken out of her conscience either.
1: A hundred percent but i think this is entirely different from the inspector campbell murder because that was this was more of like a i'm saving arthur's life kind of thing so i have to pull the trigger it's kind of like in like self-defense as opposed to the inspector campbell when she sought him out and kind of did the thing but uh, it's crazy she's she's got a body count now and the the whole symbolic significance of the white swan and linda and the end of the ballet with the music and the the crescendo at the end and it's getting really loud and boom and it was just all just phenomenal. It was just a great episode. It kind of I mean we we talk about non-finale bangers and it's got a rival season 3 episode 2 of when Grace when Grace gets killed, when Grace gets shot. That's at the end of the episode because you're not expecting a bang like this. I mean, I was kind of expecting something because of all the lead up we had in the last couple episodes, but if it, if this happened now, man, next week is going to be amazing, dude
0: it was it was so it was just so well done i mean i love the music you've got gina looking at everyone right after we find out that she is just so power hungry she is as power hungry as tommy and yet i don't feel i still am i'm on the side of michael i don't think he's a bad guy even him when gina's talking about getting rid of tommy and having michael's you know portrait on the on the on the wall and having michael organize the ballet after michael goes to her and says I think I'm back in, I'm going to deal with the heroine, and I'm going to do all this, and Gina's saying, I need it to be done in America, and you're kind of agreeing. Michael's like, what's going to happen to Tommy? Like a naive little boy that he is. Gina is the be- is the one that has the the ideas of going all the way to the top like Tommy did in season one, not Michael. But you see Gina looking at all those people in that final scene. Arthur is sleeping, which is just the most relatable part of this entire show because everyone sleeps through
1: ballet. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. In the front row, too. So it makes it even better.
0: With a girl. He was next to a girl, I noticed. Right. Because Polly wants him to move on, but Arthur kept saying, I can't, I can't. It needs to be Linda. I'm in love with her. She's the only one. And, oh, man. I mean, just there's so many things in this. Yeah. In this final five minutes, we could dissect that for an hour. But before we move on to some of the other things, is there anything else you want to mention from that final scene?
1: Yeah, 100%. Just what what, what you touched on with, with, with all the eye contact between – Gina looking at Tommy, staring at Tommy, kind of like you know, giving those those eyes, and then Oswald, looking at Gina, like you know that that moment when you're like looking around a room and you happen to just be looking at someone, and they they happen to just browse their eyes around the room and you guys make eye contact and you quickly turn away. Oswald and Gina had that moment, and it was so authentic and so realistic to something that would happen in real life, and it didn't look like it was like being acted. It looked so so authentic to something that would really happen in real life that it made it just added to the effect of oh my god oh my god what what are they thinking like is oswald looking at gina because he's attracted to her is he looking at her because he knows her does he looking at her because he sees her looking around so it's just like little things that plant in your head it was just it was awesome it just it just added to it all and you, we can't deny you know the part
0: where polly is you know knighting herself as the queen of the uh, of the Romanies as she kind of offers and tries to find out what it is about Oswald that can get him to to lay down his his guard. you know, is it gonna be these maids that have name tags that he can fuck? Is it gonna be? any of his family members that he wants to fuck because he does that? Or is it Lizzie? Because I think Oswald just wanted Lizzie and Tommy's fucking Lizzie and mentions if he lays a hand on you, he will be meat for Johnny Dogs, which was a great line as well. And then Oswald comes out and we've got that encounter. God, the final act of this episode is just filled with so much drama and so much tension. And then you've got Michael finally back in the fold because the family has to agree on the fact that they're wanting to harbor these drugs and let's talk about that i mean let's talk about the fact that we almost lost one of the family members that we predicted two episodes ago in finn shelby we almost
1: lost him seven minutes into the episode i and i thought that she pulled the trigger and blew his brains out and i really do think we're going to lose him i mean it's it's almost inevitable at this point i don't know if you think the same thing
0: I don't know. I mean he's he's a wild card and Tommy's got him doing this this side job with Arthur too, where they are uh they're fixing football matches with this other guy, Jimmy. It's it's a bit of like a or Billy, plot. Billy. I think it's Billy. Billy. Yeah. Is it Billy? Yeah. Um who he used to play and then he found out that the, the goalies are willing to take five pounds and there was a weird little talk there where Arthur's threatening his family subliminally and mentioning, let's get past the goalies. I wanna be able to Maybe get to the officials, and that's just such a thing that we're not even like. Let's like, we don't even have time, Josh, to really even talk about that. So thing. much,
1: and and one thing that I, I really that I don't want to leave out. What about when Tommy almost was thinking about suicide?
0: Was that a dream? I mean, we can get to that. It we wasn't. Can get to that.
1: I don't. I, I don't so know. I I originally thought it was a dream, but then he walks right to Ada's house in the pouring rain at four a.m. So it seemed like he was like out in the streets, and he was about to jump off of that bridge or that pole or whatever it was. But that was crazy, and they the camera points to the gun and everything. He, he saw so.
0: himself as the driver of his dad's boat that he was born on, that Grace was buried under the coals in. That I mean, the whole thing... The whole thing was but it's was the opium. wild. It was it's called the he, he, the boat was called the January. And then yeah, we saw him drink the opium and then it happened the next scene because it was right after the encounter with Oswald in the House of Commons.
1: Yeah, and Ada says that it's the opium that's giving him the visions and a mention of that doctor that he's supposed to be seeing he doesn't believe he he doesn't like the books that he tells him to read and even though Tommy said he's been reading more earlier in the episode, I think I think he I, I forgot I forgot how he told it to. Uh Aburama, I think he told it too. But He's not seeing the doctor. He's losing his damn mind. He's spiraling. There's a a vision of him, you know, sitting in that chair, looking up, just like, and what the hell am I getting myself into kind of look, which he's had a lot in this show. Yeah, he he is he is
0: jittery. He shows up in the middle of the night to give his report to that Ben younger guy who's you know sleeping with Ada. Ben's like, we can do this in the morning, man. And then, <laughs> where's
1: Carl? Dude, where's <laughs> Carl, man? <laughs> where's, where's Carl? Where the hell is Carl? He's had like two to three appearances in the episode uh, in, in the show. Season. One, like one as a toddler, like in like like once. Uh, the the second one was like in the family portrait at the end of season three, or the family picture, and then the one episode where he was being extremely racist. Yeah, he's a KKK, KKK member. Derogatory, yeah. He's she's. He, where is Carl? I don't, I'm okay with not seeing Carl, but where the hell is Carl? I
0: mean, if Ben Younger is sleeping in the house, I don't know if Carl's gonna be okay with that. I would Yeah, he's probably
1: not there. Sleeping sleeping at a friend's house or or something.
0: And Tommy finishes that by saying, when that kid of yours arrives talking to Ada, keep it away from me.
1: Powerful. And that's when
0: I thought, where's Carl? Because he's the first kid. And we're not really sure about that. But let's talk, let's we gotta dive into this Chinese thing. Because I think Tommy is trying to just continue his his scheme. He did it with he did it with Billy Kimba. He did it with Alfie. The second he he teams up with someone he is instantly thinking about fucking them because we his conversation with the billy boys at the end where uh where you know the they're talking about catholicism and and jimmy mcavran's like you guys are okay and tommy's like i'm okay until i'm not okay and then i'm very not okay and i think we kind of get the tone that tommy's going to skim the chinese guys
1: i don't i have bad vibes about these chinese guys i mean I don't know where they came from and, and whatnot. You you thought that maybe they related to the to the to the dry cleaner guy?
0: Yeah, so let's let's get into that because we, we've got Tommy first and Arthur talking to an older woman and her name is Mrs. Connors, and it's an intense scene, and it's the it's like the it's the, the third scene of the episode after we get, you know, Tommy in bed and then Tommy and Jimmy having the, the truce. And then the you know the weird Arthur stuff, and Arthur's sitting there after the Arthur and Finn, and Arthur's sitting there with Tommy, and she goes in on how her husband comes home drunk, and her husband killed her three kids, and then there's this long pause. And to add insult to injury, my screen froze for like three seconds at this. So I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, we're gonna see the bodies of her kids. And then their song <laughs> hurts.
1: And I couldn't stop crying, laughing. Oh, that was so weird. And they were like, they were ready for like body parts and we see three gold finches and uh, later, later in the episode, Tommy like kind of like jokes around and was like, and don't forget to get the woman her gold finches Arthur. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we meet a new, uh, new character, Mickey, who's like, I guess the
0: new garrison manager he's taken over for, uh, for that redhead guy from the earlier seasons. And so he says, there's a Chinese man coming. And so instantly Arthur, you know, sparks up the whole episode. He's kind of worried about the Chinese. So it's obvious that he's got a bad relationship with them. And he introduces himself as Mr. Chang, and they both say he, Mr. Chang is dead. And in the end, the Asian guy has got a great response. He's like, "You know, this does kind of feel like heaven."
1: Yeah, it was. It-
0: and so I think he's the son or a relative of the Mr. Chang who was the dry cleaner guy. Could be totally wrong, but how else would Tommy and Arthur know that that name, that specific name, was a right? Hundred percent,
1: and that was a, that was a good catch by you. I didn't catch. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" But it would make sense that they had some familiarity with a Chang in general um so that's a good call you know who this guy reminded me of he reminded me of the the asian guy in the black mirror episode from this past i oh don't know did you watch uh the twilight zone yeah no. he he reminded me of, uh, of the, the guy from the twilight zone this season the the, the uh the uh, traveler but anyways i i thought it was him when i first saw him but it wasn't but yeah this asian guy is obviously important and dangerous because this woman is about to blow finn's head off and thank the damn lord they didn't and tommy tells finn to check your holes at the door (laughs) that was funny
0: yeah but i mean this guy's got some balls saying that he's got to knock down some doors to get to tommy shelby and tommy's like well the door's open you know you don't really have to do that much so there's 1.2 million pounds of opium which is like tons right 100 100 million pounds in 2019 yeah seven tons but i mean the inflation of how much money that is, how Michael's talking about how he's gonna rake in a million pounds a year. That's like a hundred million dollars or pounds in twenty nineteen revenue. Yeah, and he, it, and, yeah, and I did I did really like how Tommy knew about the robbery and took out his his parliament glasses that he needs ever since he got smashed by the uh by the preacher and had his skull cracked and he says, you know, I wrote about this robbery when I heard about it, and that's how and if he didn't know how much money he could have gotten lowballed on the offer to store it. But because he knew it was a million, he's gonna make the deal before they send it, ship it from Liverpool to San Fran. They're gonna send it down the canal to Liverpool. Arthur and Polly vote against it, but after Tommy announces this would be the end of Michael's Hazing, and the Peaky Blinds are gonna get a quarter of a million pounds, Polly has to say yes. And this is where this is where the skimming scheme starts to file in because I remember Jimmy McCavern saying, So Tommy, is this Chinese man gonna expect all seven pounds or seven tons? And Tommy says, "I'll take care of that."
1: Right, and he, he, Jimmy McCavern wants a boatload, and Tommy's like, "Just chill with that, man. We'll, uh, we'll give you a sample first, and then we can talk about boatloads." So just calm down, Jimmy, Jimmy guy. But get that scene with Paul and Arthur, and Paul doesn't want Michael to get into it, but you know this is gonna be more than half of the money that Michael will get back that he lost in Chicago. Um, that that Tommy mentions. So this is a big opportunity for Michael, and he he mentions that this will get him out of quarantine, which I which I found hilarious. Which is true. I mean, if he does this and gets this job done, will he get Tommy's res- Tommy's respect back? Will all be forgiven? Because we've seen Tommy forgive and forget many of times.
0: God, I hope so. I I want them working again. I texted you before the episode started. I'm like, I'm so pro Tommy and Michael, but we had such bad feelings because the 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 headline of this episode, the picture was Gina and Michael looking menacingly at the yes, camera.
1: Yes, what, what that Gina look, man. Oof.
0: We get a Michael and Gina conversation where Gina's threatening Tommy, but then we find out that you know that what is it the the golden brown stuff that Polly says is more to her taste than the coal that Michael's dad used to shovel and and deal with, and so you always get skimmed if you're you if you're trying to sell legal stuff like coal, but when you're when you're dealing some uh, some heroin and and opium, you're going to get the good price. And as we look at this, it's just so interesting to me. Everything about it is just so interesting. The fact that Tommy is so quick to make a deal and then so instinctually has something planned for Aberama, who he knows is going to be so furious that he can't kill Jimmy McCavern yet, and Aberama hits him with a dope line. I think think you've got this line written down that Aberama hits him with.
1: Yeah, Aberama says, when you check that little stopwatch of yours that controls the turning of the earth, and it's boom, because Tommy does con- – he, he, he makes everything go around. He's always – his brain's churning. His wheels are turning. The, the, he's always looking at a stopwatch. He's always got things planned at a, right to a T at certain times. It's almost like everything's regimented to him, and just drops it on, and it's true. He's always got things going on. He's always thinking ahead right on the spot. It's crazy. Even post-brain hemorrhage.
0: I love that Michael Gray doesn't show up for 35 minutes. It's very Game of Thronesy. It's very Vikings, the kind of shows where you have following so many storylines that it's okay to not see one of the major plot points. Even going into this episode, we were so concerned about this guy who in the preview of the episode says, I swear when my baby is born, we will be done. And Tommy says, and you will be king. So Tommy thinks he's going to be king. Gina thinks he's going to be king. But I'm not sure if Michael necessarily wants to be king. Um, I think I think we can spend a little bit of time going over some of our best quotes. I think we have to start, though. We have to start with what is the most important thing, and it's it's Tommy not being scared of anything anymore because he thinks he's a god, and it just goes to that Oswald Mosley quote that's about a paragraph long that sets us up for yeah, what is quote. an Emmy
1: Award-winning scene. This, this was in the boxing match. I mean, when they were going back and forth... And Tommy, they're going back and forth, going back and forth. And Oswald Mosley, you know, sipping, sipping on his drink, leaves with this. And because it's long, I won't do it in his accent. I don't have the Oswald Mosley accent down yet. It's way too particular proper. But he goes, such rogues we are, aren't we? Sing like songbirds in the house. And afterwards, relieve ourselves in the bodies of whomever we choose. Two men for who forbidding is forbidden.
0: And that's the line that Tommy repeats later in the episode to Ada, where he says Oswald is right forbidding is forbidden we can do whatever we want and so tommy is now dictating everything he's controlling when his aunt is gonna get married even though polly might want it he's still controlling when and where and so it happens at the end of the episode and it's a cute little scene and josh what does it last five seconds of us being happy for polly before
1: crazy shit hits the wall yeah man we're like oh yeah polly yeah you know everything's good you know boom nope never mind (laughs) she she has like the, the 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 slightest moments of just pure pure bliss and happiness before she has to get her her freaking blood on her blood on her hands honestly i loved a couple lines from tommy and and
0: jimmy in the in the open where jimmy says i was looking forward to killing you after we hear the billy boys singing like they fucking do it's just such a weird thing to do they're like 15 feet away from tommy and they start singing and and jimmy goes uh, i was looking forward to killing you and tommy says you're at the back of a long queue
1: yeah, that's good. that is that is that is wonderful. Just this—it's just funny. It's just great how they have things just like ready to go. And it's so perfect and witty, and it was awesome. It was a, it was a great open to the episode. Whenever like you notice that we've seen Billy, you know, just like Jimmy. whenever he and uh, Jimmy, sorry. When Jimmy enters, like he, whenever he enters a scene, it's like a long entrance. He's going down a river. He's, he's he's in a wagon. He's singing some different variation of the song. I couldn't tell if it was the same song. It was the same song. It, it was, was it was the same it was, song. Uh, yeah. It
0: was like we sit in Feeny and blood. We are the Britain Dairy
1: Billy Boys. Right. It was and then it's foggy. It's misty, and then he enters right at the time. It was a great scene. I mean, I really feel like we could talk for hours about this episode. So I mean. Oof, there's so, so much happening, as you said.
0: Uh, let's let's go after a couple more of our quotes so we can get that out of the way. And then we can kind of dive into a few more things we want to talk about, just overarching things. I like when uh, Tommy was in the boatyard with Charlie and Jimmy's, you know, calling him out for – I think it was Jimmy, maybe maybe it was Oswald calling him out for having stolen things. And he says, Charlie doesn't – nothing here is stolen. Charlie simply finds things before they're lost.
1: Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was – it's true, you know? He 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 ain't wrong. That was a great quote. That was a great quote. I I love the uh, uh, the quote, which it was it was very minor, but when when Paul is telling Michael that he's got to be dealing opium, he's got he's got to do this, or not not dealing, storing the opium and you know maneuvering the transaction, and Michael says that Tommy knows what opium does to people, and then Paul says back to Michael, he also knows what whiskey does to people and he still sells whiskey. So, it was just it was just a very great rebuttal. It's like, you know, Tommy Tommy knows that these things aren't good for the greater for the greater being. He's just looking out for the business and make making a buck. It was just it was just a very Paul line. So, that was one of my one of my very good quotes. I'm going back to the garrison where Mr. Chang
0: says the guns are pointed now we can all concentrate. Now we're all concentrated. And Tommy's like, we don't need fucking guns to concentrate. And then Finn comes running in with his gun and he shoots it into the, the ceiling because Arthur grabs him because he wants to kill the guy. And Tommy grabs his, his junk and says, and your trousers are dry. You didn't piss yourself. It'll be a good day for yourself after all, Finn. And then Arthur, as you mentioned, says, always have your horse checked. So
1: Finn might be Tommy's winner of the episode. Yeah, he's like, you didn't piss yourself. Nice. Good job. Like, slaps him on the face a little bit. Go ahead. Let me hear a couple more of
0: your favorite quotes from this episode.
1: I love when, uh, who's who's asking about, oh, uh, uh, yeah, Aberama and Tommy are talking about Paul. And, like, they're, they're talking, they're talking, and Tommy goes, young she is when she's barefoot on the cobbles. And it's just, it's, it's, it's true because when she's barefoot on the cobbles back in, you know, back in her roots, back in Birmingham, back in the old days, she's feeling young again. And she did. She was barefoot. She was literally barefoot when she stepped on some uh, horse shit in her first scene. I just remember putting down barefoot, Polly. Don't fuck around. Yeah, she was like, she's like, not today. I don't give a shit. I'm taking this off. Let's go. Why'd you call me here? It was great. It was. It was. It was, it was just a little subtlety. That was great. I do like the gray scenes. I some people might think there are too
0: many of them. I, we don't need to talk about it too much. Oh
1: my God, I I, I like forgot about it. There were
0: two big gray <laughs> scenes. And there was one that started the, the 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 dive into what was the you know the the opium scene where Grace is like you don't even have to rub the lamp anymore to summon the genie. What does that mean? Does she is she with him whenever he wants her to be? And then he's standing on the top of the uh, canal looking down. And then he's driving the canal, and then we think he's going to commit suicide. And this was right after him and Oswald have that crazy conversation. Oh, Tommy! Is yeah, and it. she's
1: yeah, and she's she's she says she holds the sapphire, and she goes, "It wasn't the sapphire's fault. It was you. It was your fault." And that's something that's been eating up at Tommy. Which I will when we do this season three episode two rewatch for all you peaky heads, for all of you binge watchers out there. I'm going to go in depth about the Blue Sapphire and about Grace and, you know, it being Tommy and not the cursed Sapphire because he lost, you know, it's all about like, you know, he lost sight of what was most precious in his life and he lost it because everything he was getting himself involved in and it's it's, it's a constant reminder that her death is 100% his fault and he'll never get that off his conscience and she grabs the Sapphire and she squeezes it and instead of her holding the Sapphire now, she's holding her chest where the gunshot wound is. That was that was intense, man. Like I don't know, I don't know if I can take these OPM flashback scenes anymore with Grace, because in the beginning of the episode she's doing the happy or sad, the happy or sad callback, and it gets cut off very abruptly, and then it goes into a more dark, you know, to a, a a dark, more Grace recounting of Here, here's what happened, here's what happened. It's not the the happy moment of happy or sad in the Garrison when they're drinking together, but it's when she got shot and with the Curse sapphire at, at her event and. That was a powerful scene. That I literally, because so much happened, I f- almost forgot that like about that happening because it was so early on in the episode.
0: I think that Tommy's always just gonna have one love. You know, some people say that there's only one soulmate, and Tommy's lack of caring about the fact that Lizzie first of all slept with a hundred men, second of all sometimes didn't even do it for money, like she mentions when she was in her in her nightclub days, and third of all did it with his bitter rival who he calls the devil. Tommy's not even worried about that. It just shows that he, he's only going to ever love Grace. Right, 100%. And a side note A side note here, we really get to dive into Oswald's one weakness. And Tommy, this might be the thing that Tommy has beaten Oswald in, and, and we haven't touched on it yet, when he has Oswald signed off on the checks that connect him with the Billy Boys. Oswald says, why would I sign that? I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea for Tommy. And then Oswald calls him out and says, why would I sign that? because then you could connect me with him and Tommy's like Tommy's got like a freaking apple on his cheek like a little schoolboy saying, "Oh, why would I why would I ever turn on you?" while well, he's actively informing on him and Oswald says, "My weakness is a tendency to trust people." And here I am, trusting you. And I, there it is, right there. I think Tommy's got Oswald and we might find out next week, but boom, I think that could be it.
1: Yeah, and that was also just confusing to me cuz why would Oswald like tell him his weakness? Cause maybe it's not actually his weakness. Maybe he wants Tommy to think that it's his weakness. It's just kind Ooh. of like a I don't know spin zone, spin zone. Because why would you why would you play why would you reveal your hand like that? You know, I mean not your hand because it's not a move. Ooh, but I don't know. I don't know. That's it's something, that's something to look out for because Oswald is smarter than that. He's a smart guy because he caught on to it. He caught on to his plan. But yeah, that was I don't know. That's something. That's something to uh, to uh, keep track of for sure.
0: Man, this. I mean, just looking – I'm, like, looking over my notes, and I didn't even take any notes for the last 10 minutes. I couldn't. So I just feel like there are so much – there's so much in my head that that was when I was watching that I'm trying to, like, recall now while we're sitting there. And it's so – you know, it's so similar. It's so so many parallels to the boxing match when the men leave, and they have to deal with all of the stuff that goes on, and we think Arthur's going to die. And once again, we think Arthur's going to die – and it just feels like they we never there could never be a big event without somebody big dying. And here it's Linda, and I don't even I, th- I and even it, tell you yeah that, were there any lines after they were shot or was it just did it just go to I blacked out probably
1: yeah I think it just ended after that there wasn't really anything else. But once again, the show did such a good job of you know you not predicting it like it was not predictable in the slightest. I did not think that when Linda pointed the gun that someone was going to shoot her. I thought Linda was killing Arthur. I thought Arthur was gone. Because Tommy and I think was she with Lizzie? It Was Tommy and Lizzie running out there? No,
0: it was Tommy running out there. Uh, yeah, Michael maybe.
1: So whoever he was with, they were both in shock when the when the trigger was pulled and all the the viewer only heard the gunshot and we didn't see it and we looked back like and I I thought Arthur was like in shock and I thought that he was like you know you know when someone gets shot and they're just standing there it's like the like the ten seconds of just shock after getting shot. Yeah. I thought he was shot and he was like holding his wound but it, like Linda just on the floor and I was like okay there you go so, and then you knew yeah, it was it's you knew it's Lizzie knew. and
0: Tommy I'm watching it right now and then they turn and Polly comes out of nowhere behind the candle with her little gun oh my god it's like and then the and then the swan is on the floor and they're pulling the red blood from her the dancer and it, it's and, and then everyone's yeah. clapping that's what it is everyone starts clapping
1: And Oswald Mosley is, like, clapping very, very hard. Like, he's loving the performance. It it almost makes me think that, like, Oswald Mosley knew something about Linda and had her come to the performance or something. This is on the spot.
0: Okay, that could be. That could be. And then then out of nowhere, we get the massive font. Not the small font. We get the massive font directed by Anthony Byrne, produced by Anne Harrison Baxter, created and written by the one and only Stephen Knight.
1: And you face and we FaceTimed each other because we were watching this. It literally, lit, like literally, second by second in unison. And I happened to pause my screen when you FaceTimed me on Helen McCrory's name. It was so fitting. I thought that was great. It just made everything great.
0: Yep, and mine was on Paul Anderson.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. It's just and they like stole, was...
0: they stole the show at the end. Uh, one last final quote dig that I thought was classic was Polly to Lizzie when Lizzie's talking about, "Oh my God, it's definitely him. This is all ruined." Polly's like, she gets cut off, but she's like, if we had to cancel an event every time someone that you, and then that was it. And I was like, oh,
1: Polly, you dog. <laughs> she's such a savage, man. And Lizzie kind of was like, yeah, like, you're kind of right. Uh, yeah, she's like, shut so up. And I, did we mention that Paul and Aburama are going to get married? Yeah, we, we talked about it. I, I mean, I don't really have too many
0: like thoughts about it. It's cool. They're getting married. I don't know we'll if it's see. actually going to happen or not. We'll I, see I it hope happens. it happens.
1: I don't think Abu is gonna is gonna live to see that wedding. That's a bold I mean, prediction.
0: He, he's definitely gonna try to kill he he always tries to have his cake and eat it too. Oh yeah Um Another thing is did Linda drive herself it or did someone like it? drive her? We're gonna well, find out next episode.
1: If someone drove her, they're also going to be dead in about five minutes. Correct. So it was uh, also
0: pretty evident that Arthur closed his eyes accepting death.
1: Yeah, no, that was 100%. I, saw, I I caught that too. I also really like yeah. I
0: really liked Arthur's hair in this episode.
1: It was very very well well coiffed.
0: Well, I thought it was yeah, coiff is a good word. It was too short in the first couple episodes. He looked too old, I thought. And this mm. one was a little bit better. Um but I mean, I've gone through most of the uh the quotes that I've got for this. Just spitballing here. I mean, I know you want you want to give us some predictions. Would, yeah. Do you want to get into two? I mean, we got we got two episodes left.
1: Yeah, and of like I just, five. I just want to emphasize, Peaky Heads, that we are literally like fresh off of watching this episode, so we have so many reactions. These are as fresh of reactions as we could possibly get. Prediction wise, man, I okay. I want I want some feedback on this, guys. I can't tell. Okay, Gina is addicted to power and she's talking she talks to Michael about, you know, taking Tommy down essentially. And it kind of like, you know, goes back to the earlier part of the season when Tommy's talking about, you know, someone coming after his throne. You know, the people people, you know, are envisioning them being in his throne and Gina has her eyes on the throne. Not necessarily maybe for her being in the throne, but maybe Michael sitting on the throne and her being by by his side. But I also think that there is, like, a physical, like, attraction that Gina has towards Tommy. And you can kind of get that sense when she's staring at him during the ballet the, the ballet act, during the dance. And, you know, she's plotting. I can't tell if she's going to try to kill him or maneuver a way to kill him or if she wants to, wants to fuck him, as you said earlier.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to hold, like, serve with that. I think that's going to happen. I think maybe she might set that up where Gina might lure Tommy in with her sexuality and then, and then like try in to Tatiana maybe blackmail way. him or something. I'm not sure. And yeah. Tommy's going to be like, fuck you. I don't do blackmail. I've got an arrangement with my wife that you don't even know about. Because obviously we, we haven't talked about that in, in a couple episodes where Tommy and, Tommy and Lizzie had, past, that, yeah, had that conversation. <laughs> I know there are a lot of people going after his throne. I, maybe add Abarama to that because there was that interesting little camera scene when Abarama's sitting at his desk and Tommy yes. walks in. I know you wanted to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, when Abarama is waiting in Tommy's office and, you know, he's sitting there on his chair and Tommy opens the door and the camera very quickly, like, zooms in on Abarama's face, something that we haven't seen on this show before. It was very interesting. It, and it was kind of like he was, like, nervous, you know, thinking about something, like, who's there? Who's there? He was shook a little bit and was like, had his eye on Tommy. So that's something to point out. Maybe Abarama, you know, he kind of he might he might he might have that alfie in him, you know? That alfie like you, like that wild card that you really can never trust this guy.
0: Well, from his and, perspective, Tommy's not letting him avenge the death of his son, which was pretty much
1: unwarranted. Right, and it was because of Tommy. So, I mean Tommy didn't give up the spot where they were and it wasn't his fault per se, but it was his fault that they were in the situation to begin with. Two episodes without a mention of the
0: two words black cat. I just I know, realized.
1: I know, because
0: who gave up the who gave up the the freaking spot? Is there no more like what are we just That's the one. All right, let's get into picking nits. Yeah. That's my nit to pick right there. I How do you go two episodes after Tommy made it a focal point of episode 2? How do you go episodes 3 and 4 without even saying the words? And him just Black not cat. like he's not
1: worried about it anymore. Like it's just all good. Like
0: did he realize that maybe Polly was right and it was all in his head?
1: you know someone had to have given up right someone had to have given up gold spot but we but we should probably like we should we deserve clarity on that because it was a whole episode of him freaking out and being paranoid that was my theme of that episode was paranoia so i i agree that was that was a nit to pick for sure definitely a nit to pick
0: um i don't know if you have any nits to pick
1: i mean i don't really have any nits to pick it's more that you know that there's just there there is there is a lot of talking and, and rooms going on i'm not, i'm not i'm not upset with the episode in the slightest but it's it's building up for something great and I, res- and I and i respect that and i think it's probably because i'm i'm not binging it i'm watching it week to week but yeah it really wasn't a, weren't any nits to pick i mean one thing that i wanted to do me, me and you was pr- give our personal ratings you know when we come out of these episodes so, if you wanted to give a personal rating out of 10, what would you give it?
0: Oh, there's so much recency bias. I feel like after every episode, I want to give it, like, such high numbers. But, like, this one would probably be, like, a,
1: an 8, 8.5. 8.5. Well, like, put it on, on, like, an IMDB scale. You know how they, they, they do point, All right, you so
0: I, I'd, I'd give this one, like, an 8.6.
1: 8.6. Well, I'm, I'm going to go higher. I'm going to give it a 9.1. I thought it was okay. I thought it was great. I I'll, I'll give yeah, it I'll, and I'll give last week an 8.2. I, I wasn't 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 thrilled with last week. This, yeah, last week I'd give like a 9.0. Wow. You you remember I was yeah. all about last week's episode, no, you I'm were, all about you were. the people talking in rooms. But uh no, I I I would give us one a 9.1. So, and I think I think 5, 5 and 6 are going to be in the 9.5 range, 9.6 range. So, I'm I, I'm hyped, man. I cannot wait. Get me to next Sunday already
0: yeah, I mean, if I had to really put on like my critic hat, i'm I'm not a huge fan of throwing in just like the random Chinese um I'd rather just more I'd rather more of the 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 plot that we have. I'd rather more into the black cat. I'd rather more into the Gina and Michael, we only had four to five minutes of Michael on screen in the whole episode. So I'm okay with like not putting so much on Tommy's plate, but I know that Stephen Knight's gonna deliver. but that's why this might be an eight point six. next week might be a nine point seven. who knows. Um, but I think I think it's time for winners and losers.
1: <sighs> you 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 do winners first. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna mull this over for a second. Okay, I've got a unique one. My winner is Jimmy McCavern. Hmm.
0: Jimmy McCavern was a no name. This little you know no name in the in the big England world. He might have been known in in you know Glasgow, but he gets approached by this wealthy, significant politician, Oswald Mosley. ...to start fighting against someone who we obviously had heard of. Everyone in, in the little gang world knows about the Peaky Blinders now... ...because Thomas Shelby went from being a, a, a bookmaker, a gambler, a fighter... ...to being a politician. So obviously everyone knows about Tommy Shelby. He gets to pick a fight with the big man. He gets to not only get that fight, he gets the big man's acknowledgement. He gets the, the grenade, which starts up the war last episode... And then he gets to meet Tommy in person. And you can almost see it in his face. He's like giddy to meet this guy who's like his idol. Because he even gets to get a few jokes in where he says, Oh, you know, Tommy, like my white flag stands for truce while yours stands for surrender. And Tommy says, Yeah, but at the end of the day, they both have the same outcome. And I don't know. It just felt like Jimmy McCavern when he's sitting in Charlie Strong's area. It just feels like he's getting everything he ever wanted now. And he gets to, to hang out with, with, with Tommy Shelby. And there was one more thing from that conversation that I wanted to mention, but I forgot it. From that opening scene with Tommy and Jimmy, where they're talking and spewing back and forth. I don't remember, but I just I just remember thinking, man, this is Jimmy McAvoy living his best life.
1: That's a good winner. That's a very unique one. And, 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 I, and I also have a very unique winner. And my winner is Lizzie Shelby. Because she finally is getting a little bit of affection from Tommy towards her you know she's not just the uh the like the the booty call she's not just you know his someone that someone that he wants to sleep with but uh he and I, and and i also think that because Oswald Mosley is kind of you know going after her and making comments about her that she's more attractive and more to Tommy and something that Tommy wants to you know Trophy, kind of present as a trophy in front of Oswald Mosley. So she's kind of propped up a little bit more than she's ever been propped up by Tommy, and, and he actually seems like he actually wants her and actually has some affection towards her. So I'm going to go with Lizzie as the winner because she's been yearning and wanting that for so, so damn long throughout all these five seasons. She just wants Tommy to love her a little bit, even the slightest bit. And I think we saw that today because – When he says that if he puts his hands on you, he'll be meet the Johnny, uh, he'll he'll be meet the Johnny dogs. And so he's, 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 he's protective over her. He actually, you know, he's, 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 he's really, really favoring towards her, you know, affection. So I'm going to, I'm going to put her as the winner of the episode, you know, just, just to go into that unique category. No, it's a good one. She also gets to have sex with Tommy, which is always fantastic. (laughs) And
0: she's in a very, you know, risky spot right there. She's getting made fun of for her womanhood, for her past, and she responds with a good comeback, talking about how they wasted a night. And I remember the champagne, but I remember you, you know, going to go to bed or falling asleep on me or something. So, all right, so I did my winner first. you want to do your losers first or me?
1: Loser, loser, loser. Hmm. I'm going to go with Oswald. Me too. Because he got, he, he got put in place so many times, man. This guy who's probably so used to, you know, being the smartest one in the room, finally has met his match, met his maker in Tommy Shelby because – T- Tommy's not scared of this guy, and, and I can tell that he's a little freaking scared of Tommy Shelby. Tommy leaves him waiting, you know, when he arrives. This guy doesn't know anybody. He feels awkward at this event, at this party, and he gets heated. He's like, you don't leave your, your your guests waiting. Really pissed off in the same way he was pissed off in that episode when they were meeting with Ada and Tommy, and he slams the table because he wants his whiskey. But he was pissed off this episode, met his maker a little bit. He tr- he's he's He's... Revealed his weakness to Tommy, so I think Tommy has the upper hand in this in this chess match. So I'm gonna go with Oswald Mosley as my loser. Okay, uh, that
0: was my idea. Just because he didn't get the final word in anything, he always mm. loves the final word. He thought he had Tommy with his wife, he didn't because Tommy had a comeback about him and his you know wife's you know misdoings. He thought he had a great one um, with Lizzie. Lizzie came back with a good one, and then he gets stood up when he shows up at their at their party. He's like, well, I thought I was gonna be announced. And Polly's like, nah, we don't really do that here. Tommy's dealing with something with catering, which always always every party it means that Tommy's having sex with his wife.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> they're they're
0: the kitchen is never off limits, baby. Okay, so here's my loser. My loser is Mr. Chang. Because he fucked with the wrong peaky gang. He did not he did not know what he's getting into. Alright, so he stole 1.2 million pounds of heroin. Josh, I'm gonna go over under Three pounds that he gets, three tons that he gets back. I bet, I bet the Peaky Blinders steal more than half of the heroin that he's trying to get to America because we we saw what happened with the Romanovs and and all of their uh, their jewelry all, they, they, all <laughs> their that that got stolen. Yep. Everything that everyone that tries to make a deal with Tommy Tommy steals from. So Mr. Chang is going to be my loser along with the husband of Mrs. Connors. Who's gonna have a real talking to by Arthur? Because they're gonna name the birds, or the Tommy, John, and Arthur, or Tommy Arthur and Finn, or something, so that he won't mess with them. Yeah,
1: the cold finches, man. Mister Chang is does not know what the hell he's doing. So he's he's fooked, for lack of a better word.
0: Yeah. So there we go. That's our uh, man. That's our instant reaction First oh, give me five point 5, five already, man. Episode four. I'll get it to you as soon as I finish editing it and I post it. And uh, man, we we probably have so many things. We'll probably start off the next episode with 10 minutes of more thoughts that we have accumulated in the six days since we watched this or seven days since we watched this. watching on Sunday night until next Sunday night when the next episode comes out. And then it's penultimate time.
1: Oh, I'm so ready, baby. Just feed me already.
0: There we go. So, as you know, you can uh, catch us on Facebook at facebook.comslash peaky podcast. Follow us on Twitter at By Order of Peaky. And if you want your feedback to be read, like we had earlier today from Ferg and from our guy from uh, from Dublin, and his name was Richard. If you want any of your feedback to be read, go ahead and send it to us at B O O T peaky blinders at gmail.com. Wrapping up, he's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have
1: to. Wise man, you know you're never coming back. Past the square, past the bridge, past the mills, past the stacks. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand.